It is the LDS Life Podcast. I'm Kevin Williams, podcasting from my Kevin Cave in my basement. Uh, sorry, folks, we got a late start, but uh, technology is weird. But we're going to refine this. Uh, we're learning a few things. I'll just take you behind the scenes because I know some of you are interested. Oh, by the way, today's date is uh, Friday, February 5th. It is uh, 7.31 p.m. Uh, Liz and Josh are with me. We'll let them talk here in a few minutes. Uh, yeah, so what's happening, folks, is we were supposed to start this podcast at 7 o'clock, um, but somebody logged on, and for some reason Skype on my computer was not recognizing her name, my Skype software anyway. And so, uh, when you log on to a phone, as we found out on Wednesday, on your mobile app, it does not let us do group conversations. We have to do that on a computer. Um, so we're figuring this all out. Anyway, uh, Liz and Josh are with me. Hello, folks. Hi. And, Hello uh, there. Hi. Now, Liz, you're, uh, you weren't on the panel on Wednesday. Uh, what do you like to do? What do I like to do? I love to be outside, be in nature, um, spend time with friends and family. Okay. Sounds like me. Um, are you much of a TV watcher? No, not very much. I'm not either. Uh, I do like to read a lot of books, though. Reading a book now called Agenda 21. It's pretty intense. Now, um, I know you like to read the Enzyme. Have you uh, discovered anything new in the magazine, or have you read this month's issue? Because I haven't yet. Funny that you ask. I was just reading uh, an article from the February Enzyme. And it's uh, Elder and Sister Oaks talking about trusting in heaven's timing for singles. So, yeah, oh there's my gosh. a lot of great stuff out there. What a uh, perfect way to bridge into our conversation. We are going to talk about mid-singles. Now, uh, Josh, let's start out with you. Um, and I'm glad we have a female on because it's good to get a women's viewpoint as well. Josh, why do you think there are so many mid-singles in the church? Is the church doing a good job at... The mid-single scene, what could they do better? What could we do better? Go ahead and talk. Uh, <clears throat> I think uh, kind of the the marriage age increasing is due to a lot of kind of a combination of factors. You know, it's it's increasing quite a bit in, in the world in general, and even though it's increasing less in the church, it still is increasing. Uh, part of that just goes in waves. I know... Uh, a lot of people probably think that everyone in church history has gotten married at age 21. And uh, my mom is, <clears throat> uh, has kind of brought up how her parents got married at about 27 or so, and that was fairly common for their time. So kind of there's an idea that, that it's always been a younger age in the church, and that's not entirely accurate. But um, I think the, the recession probably had something to do with it because a lot of people have kind of struggled to to you know, find jobs and support themselves and get through school and things like that. And that's not necessarily a uh, kind of a, a background that helps you feel confident in in pursuing marriage, although it it's certainly can be done. And that's, that's not a reason necessarily to stay away from it. But uh, I think the, the church has handled it fairly well by creating a lot of these mid-singles wards, as, as you both know, um, are... Uh, mid-singles branch as it was <clears throat> until recently was one of three in the Salt Lake Valley and there was I believe one or two down in Utah County but our boundaries went all the way from the south end of Utah Valley into the north part of Utah County and and uh, they've created 
I don't know, about five or six more recently, several in Salt Lake Valley, Ogden, Davis County, uh, another one in Utah County. Um, so I think that's that's a good way to kind of reach out to kind of make those congregations a little smaller, a little more accessible to people, to kind of reach out to people who may not have wanted to travel as far or may have gotten lost in the cracks. Um, I kind of am hopeful that at some point they will create a mid-singles stake or maybe multiple mid-singles stakes, kind of like they did with the young single adults a few years ago, so that we'll have more of a chance to interact with people in other mid-singles wards. But uh, I, I think it's kind of moving in a direction that's been good for, for me and I think good for most of the people who are participating in the mid-singles program and even those that aren't. Yeah, Liz, uh, what do you think? Why do you think there's so many mid-singles and... Uh... I have other questions about this, and we'll d- discuss this amongst ourselves as well on the podcast. But, yeah, well, uh, Liz, why do you think there's so many mid-singles? I think it's a combination of a few things. Um, number one, people are scared to date, and you can't get married, typically, By the way, just, uh, if you don't go on a date. I did ask you out. Yes, you did. Thank you. <laughs> we no, nice we are not time. an item, by the way. No, we had a nice time, though. Yes, we did. Uh, but I think there is this perception that if you go on a date, that that's some kind of a commitment. Well, it's it's a three-hour commitment. If you can't <laughs> make a three-hour commitment, how are you going to commit to eternity? So, mm-hmm. you know, I think I would like to see the stigma broken down that let's go on a date. Let's get to know each other. I mean, those are things we should have been doing in our teens and our early 20s, and it just hasn't happened. I don't know. I think uh, the reason why there's a lot of mid-singles in the church, and I do want to get to something you said earlier, Josh, but I think uh, I think the main reason why there are so many mid-singles out there is people just don't take relationships seriously like they did 20, 30 years ago. Now, I'm speaking in the church uh, because, you know, when I was a kid, and I'm sure you remember this, uh, Josh and Liz, uh, there was a time, I seem to remember, when if you got a divorce in the church, there was something wrong with you. I, it seems like I remember my parents would comment, so-and-so is getting a divorce, well, what's wrong with that person? Or, now, the idea of not taking relationships seriously and the fact that divorces are happening rampantly, including in the church, I think that that is affecting a lot of single people. Do you both think so? Yeah, I think I definitely. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Um, I'm reading a book right now, actually, that talks about this a little bit, and it's the parable of the shepherd and looking at the hireling who flees when the wolf comes or the shepherd who stays with the sheep no matter what comes and people looking at the a relationship as a hireling and if it's not working for them they get out they're not in it for the long haul yeah, yeah. and uh, that mentality has uh, definitely creeped into the church I, I was in a conversation uh, back in 2006 no it was in 2005 somewhere around there um, somebody converted to the church and I think he converted for because he was interested in a couple women. But anyway, they call that flirt to convert. But anyway, um, this particular individual that he met, uh, and she went on a mission and everything, and she said, oh, I'm not worried about getting married to the wrong person because I can always get a divorce. My sister's got a divorce, and 
I thought, you went on a mission and you made all these temple covenants. You might want to rethink your values here. Um, now, Josh, you said that your parents didn't get married till 27. My grandparents. <clears throat> oh, your grandparents? Yeah. I would think, though, that that was a back-then thing. Do you think that they were the exception? Because you said that it was normal back then. I, I find that hard to believe. That's what that's what kind of my mom said, is that, uh, you know, that, that there was a time, and that might have been kind of in a similar situation coming out of the Great Depression, where, you know, things were unstable, and so people were more likely to postpone. Mm-hmm. marriage uh, for, for financial reasons or things like that for being able to provide so I don't, I don't know a lot about that but that's kind of how my mom has described it is that it kind of went in waves now Josh you said that the uh, mid-singles wards were a good idea what do you think of the possibility and uh, you can weigh in on this Liz as well in fact I'd encourage you to what do you think of the idea of getting rid of mid-singles wards altogether and yet have all the mid-singles and all the young singles, for that matter, go to their family wards and then somebody, the church, would provide uh, activities throughout the week for mid-singles and young single adults? Do you think that's a good idea or not? Cause there's I don't think so. I, I don't think that's a good idea because they, they reach out, the, the mid-singles and the young singles wards both reach out to people who are... Uh, you know, may not feel comfortable in a family ward. I've attended my family ward a couple of times. I didn't grow up in this ward. I don't own my my home where I live. So I don't really have a lot that ties me to that ward. But I I just didn't feel like I fit in at all. It's a very young family ward, but there's a lot of young couples with kids, a lot of people that are younger than me that have several kids. Mm -hmm. And people are kind of just absorbed into their their own situations and families, not really, uh, didn't didn't seem particularly friendly to me. Um, I would have had a hard time if that was my only option, you know, I would, I would go because I, I, you know, I know I need to go to church. I believe that's the right thing to do, but I would have a really hard time with that. And I think it would be a challenge even for someone with a testimony to, to stay active in those situations that very much could be. So I think having an option for people to go and be with people who are in a similar situation, um, you know, if, if people don't want to participate, that's fine. That's up to them. And there are a lot of people that the family ward is a great option for them, but there are some of us who, or probably a lot of us really, who, who just don't feel comfortable in that situation and like having the the ability to, to be with other people. And especially with the younger singles, it gives them an opportunity to, to have leadership opportunities they might not have in a family ward. Although mid-singles, that, that's probably not as true because you might get those opportunities in a family ward as well. But what do you think, because uh, you said that you would feel like you wouldn't belong or something, do you think going to a weekly activity, let's say on a Monday night or Wednesday night or something for mid-singles would help uh, bridge that gap? It, it definitely would. It would definitely help to have things like that. I just think those activities are better attended and you get more opportunity to know people when you have more than just activities to get to know them at, you know, when those are people you go to church with. Um, you have the opportunity to get to know those people better and get to know more of them, I think. Yeah, what do you think, Liz? I would agree with Josh. I think it's very important that we have mid-singles and singles wards. Um, In some of my experiences in attending a family ward, uh, the people are very well-meaning, but sometimes they ask questions that they don't understand. It kind of really pulls at your heartstrings. You know, well, why aren't you married? Oh, yeah. yeah, you know. in fact, uh, let's talk about that, um, <laughs> because 
somebody told me in one of the singles ward, I probably better not mention the name because I don't want to get sued or whatever. <laughs> but I'm well aware that in one of the singles wards, uh, mid-singles wards around here in Salt Lake, uh, somebody during a bishop asked uh, everybody in tithing settlement, why aren't you married? That's a very touchy subject, and that could turn a lot of people away. And that, like you said, Liz, that can get personal. I'll just uh, get sure. personal here on the podcast because I believe I'm being open with everybody about my personal life, uh, being a, broadca- a former broadcaster. Um, I am blind, and don't take this the wrong way, folks, but I think a lot of people who I've gone on dates with have been intimidated about the fact of getting serious with a blind person or they have all these idealistic expectations lo and behold uh, here I come and I'm blind and at the moment I'm living on social security I'm working to change that by the way Um, in fact I'm uh, working on applying to Utah State going to see the uh, member of the director of the department that I'm trying to major in so I'm taking measures to uh, put this to get rid of this social security thing but uh, I think they see a person who's blind and maybe doesn't look that great or maybe doesn't uh, doesn't have a job right now and that's a real turnoff what do you think Liz I think that people are looking for perfection rather than growing together in relationships. Yeah. And so, you know, they look at potential dates and they think, oh, well, I don't know if I could marry that person because they're not perfect or they're not my ideal or they don't have all of the qualifications or the qualities that I have on this mystical list I've created for myself. Yeah, do you think uh, people are too idealistic, Josh? Do you think that's one of the problems that we're having? Yeah, I think so. Um, I know I, you know, used to be in a lot better shape than I am now, and I I feel like uh, that uh, doesn't work in my favor. Certainly. Um, no, also, no, as you, either. well, Kevin, you may not know, but uh, as as Liz knows, um, you know, I'm, I'm about five foot four. I'm not very tall, and uh, I find that I, I think I've never really been told so by a girl I've gone out with. But I think a lot of girls kind of. Uh, find that to be not meeting their ideal as well. And that goes, you know, that goes both ways. A lot of guys kind of get the bad rap for being superficial, but I think that definitely is a, a problem that is for both men and women, not I just I agree 100%, by the way. I would agree with that, too. Yeah, even my sister is one of those people. Oh, guys, don't ask. I have a sister that's uh, mid-single. Oh, guys are too picky. Well, yeah, Josh, you're right. It goes both ways. I, I just But again it comes back to it doesn't hurt to go on a date. No. Yeah. You don't have to be that picky to go on a date or to get ice cream together or have a pizza or whatever it is. Yeah. A date. Yeah. Now so another, what we do to change the culture of that, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is. Well, Josh, uh, oh go ahead, Josh. Um there was there was a uh young singles conference I went to a few years ago that the I can't remember what her name is. I think it's Alyssa Godwin-Snell or something. That's the Utah dating coach. Mm. Yeah, uh, okay. She suggested that you go on five or six dates with someone before you decide whether you would date them or not. And 
I can't say that I don't, I don't think I've ever gone on five or six dates with somebody that I haven't ended up actually dating. But uh, I think the idea to go on several dates with somebody is a you know is a good idea, and I try to do that. I'm not very good at that. Sometimes I have the best of intentions to call somebody back, and I don't. But um, I think the uh, you know kind of having that mindset, like Liz was saying, that it's it's not as big of a deal. A second date is not a marriage proposal. You know, it's it's uh, a, a first casual. date is a first date is not a marriage proposal. Yeah. <laughs> Even so, the first yeah. one. Yeah. So it's, it's, I think that's a kind of a good mindset to try to get people in. Um, but I think that's something that people aren't in the mindset of. So that will take time to change that. Yeah. Now, do you think, Liz, that, uh, guys get too much of a bad rap for not asking girls out? Cause I know people who've asked a bunch of girls out and they say no right away without even trying on a first date. I hear stories of that, but I don't. I don't know of specific examples. But do you think guys get a bad rap, or do you? Think I mean, have... in general, it's possible that guys get a bad rap for that. But then, on the flip side of that, do girls get a bad rap for saying that they never say yes? Mm-hmm. That's not the experience that I've had. That's not the experience that a lot of my girlfriends have had. So you're saying you've never been asked out hardly at all. I don't get asked out very often, no. And I think I'm a pretty fantastic person. Uh, yes, you are. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Josh, uh, what do you think? Do you think... Uh, actually, I want to ask you two questions, Josh, because you happen to have been in the talk that our state president gave about guys not uh, being aggressive enough to ask out girls. Of course, he talked about the atonement. Do you think the state president was giving guys a bad rap when it could be just as equally as, the, as much as the girl's fault as the guy? Uh, well, I, I think I, don't, I haven't been turned down a lot in asking for dates, and I think one reason for that is that I tend to get to try to try at least to get to know someone before I ask them out, so that I don't just see a pretty face in an activity and and you know and and. In the size of the wards that we have and the area that we draw people from, sometimes you have to ask somebody or else you might not see them again. But at the same time, if it's someone who's in the ward or something like that, I kind of try to get to know them a little bit before I ask them out. And I feel like that's, you know, in, in basketball they call the shots near the rim a high percentage shot. I feel like that's a high percentage ask out when you've gotten to know somebody. And and so she kind of probably gets more of an idea that you're interested in, in her, not just you know, how she looks or, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, I think as far as the state president's talk, I think he had, uh, the, the best of intentions to try to, to, uh, make that an encouraging talk rather than a one to condemn. Um, I kind of tune out the marriage talk no matter what form it's in. So, um, for me, it was kind of, uh, I don't know. I, I just not a big fan of, of that whole talk, no matter how it's presented, but I find it interesting that us guys got the talk and us girl and you uh, girls did not, which makes me wonder if the guys are being picked on too much. Well, call me old-fashioned, but I think it's the man's job to pursue. I think it's his responsibility to ask out the women. Mm -hmm. See, I... Uh... I have a slightly different viewpoint. I've had girls ask me on dates before, and I've said yes, but 
ultimately, Liz, you're right, because how long can a girl ask you out and a guy doesn't take the initiative before it goes nowhere? Right. And the guy does have to take initiative. So in a sense, I agree with you. I I think that's definitely the... I I think guys should take initiative. I think uh, what what maybe women in general uh, can do is show more interest because I've, I've gotten what I've thought is interest from a lot of girls who are turned out not to be interested. Mm-hmm. And yet I hear, you know, sometimes months or years later, Oh, this girl really liked you. And I had no idea. And she didn't really do anything to communicate interest. And it wasn't somebody that I, you know, particularly noticed or, you know, but if I had known she was interested, I might've been more, more interested in, in going down that path. So, Liz, uh, what's a good way that a girl should communicate to a guy after a first date that she's interested? Because I am blind. I don't know visual cues. and mm-hmm. um, It would be nice if somebody called me and said, I had a good time or whatever, let's go out again or something. What What is your opinion about well, see, that? See, I guess I go back to old-fashioned because I feel like it's the gentleman's responsibility to do that. In the beginning, I just, that's my feeling about it. I don't know, Josh, how do you know that a girl is interested in you? I um, flip it around the other way. I've given up trying to guess that because I've been wrong <laughs> almost every time. But I do appreciate it when a, when a woman says, you know, sends a text that night or the next day or something saying, I really had a good time. That tells me at least she appreciated the time we spent together. I don't know if that means she wants to go out again or not, but... I don't mind the suggestion. I, I don't think necessarily, and, and I don't know that that was what Kevin meant, was that she should um, be the one asking for the second date, but saying, hey, we should do this again sometime. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that, because then I know what her kind of, you know, whether she was just being nice by going on the one date and isn't really interested in going out again, or whether she had a good time and would like to go on another date. Sure. Yeah, what do you think of that, Liz? I think that's a fine idea. Okay. Yeah. I found that I found that um, a lot of the the women I have gone out with do that. At least do uh, you know say send a text later or something and a say text back. Yeah. Right. Well, and we could get on our uh, our own topic of texting versus Let's calling. Let's do that because I want to continue that <laughs> conversation, Josh. I wish Jamie were here, but tomorrow is just so weird for me. I. Uh, uh, but uh, let's talk about texting. Uh, to bring you up to speed, Liz, we had a state president when I was, well, I did, when I was uh, in my late 20s. In fact, I was 29 years old. And the uh, I wasn't at this particular fireside, but I heard about it. Um, he gave the priest, the priest, uh, Melchizedek priest of members, a fireside. I guess you could call it fire slash morning side. And um, he said to us men, it is inappropriate to text a girl while asking her out. So in other words, if you want to go on a date, it's inappropriate to text her and say, do you want to go on a date with me or do you want to go with me at this restaurant? Uh, What is your opinion about that, Liz? I mean, I guess it depends on, let me backtrack. I think a lot of messages can get very mixed very quickly in text. Yeah. It's a, it's a very easy way to have a 
a relationship or a conversation that you don't really have to put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. You can read a lot into a text that may or may not be there. I think yeah. it's, it's a hard way to read to read cues through text. Yeah. Now, what do you think? Because people will, I agree with you, by the way, but people will say that's why we have emoticons, emojis. Uh, do you want to go out with me to this restaurant, smiley face, or something like that? What would you say to that if someone argued that point? Wouldn't it be better to have some emotion in person? I agree, yes. I think you can get to know a person a lot better that way, in person. Yes. By a phone call. Um, You know, a lot of times a short text message, you can't quite understand what the meaning is going to be. I just don't think it's the best way to communicate. Yeah, I agree. And I understand, too. And I don't know if um, maybe you know this, Liz. I have heard that in uh, young men and young women lessons, they are teaching people how to communicate in person. Have you heard about this? <laughs> I've not, but I could ask my sister-in-law who teaches young women's. Um, I think yeah, it's I probably... I didn't know. Right. Part of the younger culture, you know, they're used to being online and chat rooms, and they're not very good at having conversation, probably. They've not been in those kind of situations, really. And it is uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, it's something I cannot fathom. By the way, uh, speaking of the texting here, um, I resisted texting for a very, very long texting for the sole fact that I would much rather communicate in person and for the longest time my uh, phone would not read me texts. That's only been, uh, let's see, I didn't even start texting until about 2010 when I finally had a phone that would read me messages and at that time it didn't even tell me who the message was from. I just had to guess and usually I was pretty good because I knew how they typed, and I knew how they wrote, and my phone would say, message from so-and-so, but when I went back to look at the message, it didn't tell me who it was from, but I could usually tell based on conversations we had previously, or how they talked, or something like that, um, and their talking would come, you know, play out in their texts. Um, Josh, have you heard that uh, they're trying to teach people how to communicate in uh, young men and young women's? I haven't heard that, but I, I, that wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so, uh, Liz, if I were to ask you on a date, and I got your phone number, and this was the first time, and I and texted, I texted you, you, what's that? Oh, I didn't respond. I'm waiting for the end of your question. Oh, I hear oh, an I echo. Hear I don't know where the echo's coming from. Anyway, if I were to text you and say, do you want to go get ice cream with me? And I didn't call you or any of that, what would you think? So how did you get my number? Did you ask me for my number and then you texted me? No. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes, in this particular scenario, yes. You asked me for my number and then you texted me if I wanted to get ice cream. That seems strange to me. If you asked me for my number, I would... In my old-fashioned way, expect a phone call. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Josh, what would you think if uh, 
a girl gave you her phone number and she texted you, do you want to go somewhere tonight or something? Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be picky about it if it was someone that I wanted to go out with. But if it was me calling the, or, you know, me communicating with, with her, I would definitely try to call. So I think it, it is a bit of a sacrifice to make a phone call sometimes because we're always running around and doing things. And I think that's kind of what makes it important to do that is to say, I think you're valuable enough that I'm not just texting you under the table while I'm hanging out with my friends. I'm taking a, you know, a minute to, to call you and ask you rather than just squeezing it in with a text. Now, I want to add another dimension to this because this is important uh, given the fact that I know a lot about technology. I don't know if you two know this. We all have iPhones. Did you know that you can actually record a message and hit the send button so you would hear someone's voice? I didn't know that. Through yeah. a text? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, if you yeah, if you want, click on my name on because uh, I'm pretty sure you're in my contact list. You're I'm in your contact list on your phone. And you can message me, but then there's an option that says record message button. And you just speak. It's like a voice memo. Hmm. Now, what would you do, Liz, if I... Because now you're hearing my voice. What would you do if I got your phone number and asked you to Cafe Rio or somewhere like that? But I didn't text you. I sent you a voice message. Uh, would you still think it was a bad idea and you would want a real-time conversation? Well, I mean, it's almost like you called and just left me a voicemail. Yeah. And I wouldn't know quite how to respond back to that. Am I supposed to call you back and leave you a voicemail or voice text you back? I don't know. That's that's new territory for me, so I don't know how to respond to that question. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think very many people are aware that you can actually record voice messages and send them to people on your iPhone. Now, on the iPhone, you have the luxury. The luxury, if you're texting another person with an iPhone, you just hit the record message button. Otherwise, you actually have to go into the voice memo and record a voice memo and then send it off as a text, which is very complicated to do. I've done that before. But it is uh, a little complicated to do. Um, anyway, um, oh. anyway, um, let's talk about something else that uh, I think is a concerning matter to the church. What about, um, do you think more uh, mid-single men are falling away from the church, uh, Josh and Liz? Because I have heard that before, and apparently, I don't know where the statistics are to back that up, but I have heard that before. Yeah, I, I've, I've heard it, but I don't know the uh, the statistic. I've, I've never, I, I may have heard some statistics on men. I haven't heard them on women, so I can't really, don't know any comparison there. Have you heard I don't that, know Liz? It. I don't know any statistics either, but I mean, if we're looking in our ward, you know, it's at least two women for every man, maybe three. Mm -hmm. So the numbers themselves would say to me either more men have fallen away or more men have married. We don't know. Or there are just more women or there are more men going to family wards, but that seems unlikely. 
Yeah, because I've been hearing, and again, Liz, I, I don't have the statistics. I guess we don't have it, but I, I have heard that, and I'd like to know where the statistics are that support that. But if this is true, why do you think more men are falling away by the time they reach 30 or 31? Well, my first thought is it's not good for a man to be alone. Mm -hmm. He needs a woman to help him, and maybe he wouldn't have fallen away had he been married. I don't know. What do you think, Josh? Um, yeah, I think I think that could be part of it. Um, I don't know. The uh, I, I mean, kind of logically to me, it would seem in a family ward situation that women might have a harder time than men because of the uh, the aspect of children. Um, that's speaking strictly, uh, kind of in generalities. That that is oftentimes harder for women to want children and and you know, not be married than it is for men. Um, mm -hmm. Although, Josh, do you, sorry, do you go think ahead. That, do you think that the men that might go to a family ward would be more quote unquote picked on by the people in that ward? Um, not being married? I think, I think there is probably some of that and it's probably not intentional. Uh, part of my time during college, I was in a family ward mm -hmm. and I did definitely feel like the people in the ward did not trust me with their kids. Even some of them who knew me pretty well wouldn't call me to ask them to watch their kids or, you know, if their kid was, was, you know, just needed someone to help them calm down in church, they would trust kind of the young women more than me. And I, I know that wasn't intentional, but I kind of, I think a, a men kind of tend to get treated as if, you know, until they prove otherwise they might be a child molester. I don't uh, know, Josh. I, I wonder, because we are in the church and a lot of us have old-fashioned values, it could be just a stereotype. Yeah, uh, I think that's... Women are better with kids than men. I wonder if it's more of a stereotype. I think it's a part of it. That's a part of it, too. But it was it was, it was, was clear sometimes when I would go, you know, there, there were families that would have real cute kids, and sometimes when one of them would kind of be crying or something and the parents were busy, I would try to go you know, pick them up or whatever, and it seemed almost as if the parents were uncomfortable with that. Huh, that's interesting. Uh, maybe it's because I'm blind. Maybe it's because I went to the family ward in high school, but I spent a long time at a family ward before I decided to make the jump over to the mid-singles ward. And uh, I never felt picked on at all. And again, maybe it's because people knew me from the past. Uh, when I lived in West Valley, I went to a family ward. I resisted going to a mid-singles ward for a very long time. First of all, I didn't like the time they started. The uh, Parley's ward, I think they still start at 145 and get out at 345. I didn't like that at all because it was a ritual. I'd go to my parents' house and they'd have to come at 5 o'clock and I didn't like the fact that I went home and automatically had to go straight out again. Uh, that didn't set well with me at all. But, uh, and then when I moved here, I didn't like the fact that the singles ward met clear up by the University of Utah, still does, the uh, Fort Union ward. However, I can say, and this may sound a sh like a shock to you folks, but uh, I kind of like the fact that it's far away because it gives me a chance to get to know somebody better when they're driving me. Have you felt that, Liz, if you're giving someone a ride or whatever? Well, certainly you've got 20, 25 minutes in the car. So, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, what do you think, Josh? Yeah, definitely. 
I don't I don't mind going that far because it's a great ward and and given that I didn't really uh, want to go to my family ward, you know, I I was willing to go that far just to be in a place where I felt more comfortable. Yeah. Um. Well, uh, I'm. I think we're nearing the end of the podcast, even though it's not exactly an hour long. I think we've covered everything, unless you two have something you want to add. No, I, I think we had a good conversation. Yeah, I agree. Thanks for letting us be a part of this. Yeah, thank you. Now, uh, 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 yeah, this has been uh, the podcast, uh, the LDS Live podcast, and... Uh, we are definitely glad that you joined us, and uh, we'll be back for another time. Um, I think right now, just so you all know, and the listeners and uh, you folks on the panel, I think what we're going to do uh, for the first time, because I have to, I had to save a little money, so I only get uh, 250 megabytes a month for the time being. So I may just do this once a month for the time being, because of the short uh, amount of memory, but then... Probably in about three months or so, we'll start doing it every week if that works with you. Now, obviously, there's going to be different people on every week. I'm putting a lot of people on the panel if that works with you folks. Yeah. And uh, by, th- by the way, uh, the next podcast, uh, we'll have a guest on who is LDS. Actually, it's a couple, Mark and Vicki Allen. They do a radio drama, or they have done it. It doesn't look like it's going to happen this season. But they've done a radio drama in uh, Spring City, Utah, called Life Under the Horseshoe. And they've agreed to be my next guest. Uh, In the meantime, folks, I will talk to you all later.